Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Let me just say, it is a great weekend to be in church if you're a woman. Because see, this weekend, I'm talking to the men. So ladies, you just get to sit back, relax, no stress, no guilt, nothing to get worked up about. I told you last weekend, I was gonna talk to the men this weekend about the top three needs of women. But after Laura had a little come to Jesus meeting with me this week, I'm now gonna be talking to you about the top four needs of women. And somebody asked me, what's the fourth? I'm not telling you, okay? I'm just not gonna tell you what it is. So I'm gonna be talking to you guys about the top four needs of women. And even though I'm addressing men, I want you to know that whether you're married, single, divorced, widowed, teenager, middle school, it doesn't really matter. This is for you because first of all, the odds are, statistics say that if you're single, you're probably gonna get married. But the kind of advice we're looking at this weekend, man, you're gonna have kids that get married or you're gonna have cousins that get married, you're gonna have friends that get married, but there are gonna be people around you who will need this kind of advice. So pay attention, take notes. Now, guys, you're gonna get your day Father's Day weekend, okay? I'll talk about the top needs of men on Father's Day weekend, but this weekend, you just pretty much have to sit back and take it, okay? Now, let me say this. We live in a society now that would love nothing more than to blur the lines between uh, men and women and try to convince us that we're the same that there's no difference whatsoever, we need to get it down, there's not even a male and a female, it's just one big mass of greatness, right? In fact, I don't know if you've been following it, but there's a professor, I think, of English at, at, at Purdue University, and she's on a, a rant right now to get the word man. Any word that has the word man in it, you gotta get rid of that word, gotta get rid of that word. And I read the article, these are some of the words she wants us to get rid of. These are very, very, uh, in, in, these, 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 these almost incite riots, these words. Male man, male man. Mankind, congressman, man-made, the common man, chairman, fireman, freshman, and the list goes on and on and on. Here's some that are under consideration. Manhattan, seriously, Manchester. Here's my favorite, Goldman Sachs, Goldman Sachs. But I thought that's never gonna change because who wants to go to Hatton, right? Or who wants to go to Chester? And nobody wants to go to a place called Gold Sacks. Nobody, nobody wants to even be around people like that, right? So, so it's just crazy the world we live in. It's like, let's just kind of break it down. No men, I mean, we're, you know, just, and, and, and you know what? I look in the mirror and I realize I'm getting old and I'm so thankful because I'm thinking, I can't be living that much longer because this, this world that we live in, it is absolutely driving me nuts, right? And let me just tell you, you can take man out of all the words. You can do everything you can to blur the line between the sexes. But I'm gonna tell you something. Men, women, we are as different as night and day. Do you know why? That's the way God made us. And you can do everything you wanna do. That is never gonna change because it's the way that God made us. And we're gonna see that as we address this topic this weekend. So if you have your Bible, I want us to begin by looking at Ephesians chapter five, verse 25, very familiar verse, but we gotta go here. In fact, this verse pretty much says it all. If you don't have your Bible, we'll put the verses up on the screen. You can download the Get Hope app. Ephesians chapter five, verse 25, it says this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, this is pretty straightforward stuff. Doesn't need a whole lot of explaining. It's basically saying this. Men, we need to love our wives in such a way that we would be willing to die for them. We would be willing to lay down our lives for them the very same way that Jesus laid down his life for us. And I think what Paul is insinuating here is if we can learn to love our wives this way, not only are we going to have great marriages, not only are we going to have happy marriages, you know what's going to happen? It's going to begin to ease the tension in our culture between men and women. By the way, let me just say this. When a person says, I don't have a happy marriage, what they're really saying is this, my needs aren't being met. When someone says, I have a happy marriage, what they're really saying is, my needs are being met. And it's because you got to understand, God designed men and women with needs that only a spouse can meet. Let me try to explain it this way. You remember that God created Adam, put him in the garden, 
And we'll talk more about this on Father's Day weekend. But you need to know that when God created Adam, he created him with certain strengths. But he also created him with some gaps, some, some weaknesses, some needs. And so God looked at Adam in the garden and said, it is not good for him to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. In other words, God says, I'm going to create somebody else that will make him one. And so he created the woman. And it's interesting that women have different strengths and then they have different weaknesses. But this is what's so cool. It says that God brought them together in the garden. And as God, the, the officiating minister, okay, at the first wedding, he said he brought them together and they became one. And this is what happens. When a man and a woman get married, our strengths and our weaknesses, they begin to complement one another. We literally, when we, we celebrate marriage the way God designed it, we literally create, we, we literally uh, complete one another. And so I'm just going to help you this weekend, guys, by giving you the top four needs of women, those, those gaps that God designed you to meet as a man, that God designed you to meet as a husband. And regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you think, I'm telling you right now, you can meet these needs, but the only way you can meet these needs is by being willing to give up your wife, your life, give up your wife. That would be funny. Some of you already done that. Some of you already done that. Give up your life for your wife. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's get some composure. Let's be professional. But that's the overarching principle that we're going to be talking about over the next few minutes. So let me just give you top four needs of women. Okay. I'm going to give them to you in reverse order. We'll work up the number one. Okay. Here's number four, communication, communication. In other words, men, you're going to have to decide, I am going to communicate with my wife, even if it kills me. I mean, I am willing to lay down my life in this area. And I want to begin by just giving you an incredible piece of advice, and it's this. When you get married, there's a word that you use that you can pretty much drop from your vocabulary. Do you know what it is? Have any idea? It's the word fine. You can just drop it from your vocabulary. How was your day? Fine. That will not work once you get married. And it's because, understand, women don't want the headlines. They don't want the bottom lines. They want the full story. Now, I'll tell you, when Laura and I first got married, uh, I'll just, I, she was 22, I, I was 22, she was 19, so we were young. But I'd go to work, I'd walk in the door at the end of the day, and she'd say, how was your day? Good. What did you do? Who did you see? What did he say? What did you say? How did it end up? And I thought, man, I have married the nosiest 19-year-old woman on the planet, right? Because, see, a guy is asked, how was your day? What do we say? Fine. In the conversation. You got to understand that's not how it works with women. Women want to know every word you said and every conversation you had throughout the day. Not only that, they want to know what you were thinking and they want to know what you were feeling when you said what you said. And you got to understand, this isn't something that a woman just wants. This is actually something she needs and it's a need because see, this is the way they connect with us. And when I first married Laura, I didn't get this. I get it now. And I finally realized she's not being nosy. She wanted to know this stuff because, see, she was connecting with me. So, men, you're going to have to learn to communicate with your wife. And this is something that I learned years ago, actually in seminary, when I was going through some pastoral counseling classes. But we used to talk about this thing. This is a tool you can use called reentry. In other words, at the end of the day, when you reconnect, when you get back together with your spouse, it's a period of time, 15, 20 minutes, where it's your time. In other words, you walk in the door and the kids start grabbing at you and say, can we go play soccer? Can we go to the park? Can we do this? Can we do that? You say, go away. 
Go to your room, go to the living room, go outside, go to the garage, just go away, do something. Don't bother us. If you cut your arm off, cut, fine, come in, we'll give you a band-aid. But don't bother us for the next, we'll tell you when you can bother us. And you take that 15 to 20 minutes and you review your day together and you catch up together and you begin to reconnect together. And I know what some of you men are thinking. You're thinking, Mike, if I were to do that every day, they would find me dead in the morning with my brain sucked out. I'm telling you that's not true. Laura and I talk every day, and I like it. <laughs> now, for the most part. But you got to understand, women need to communicate so that they can connect with us. So Monday, so listen, Monday when you get home from work and your wife asks you, honey, how was your day? This is how you respond. You say, you know, I woke up at 417 this morning. I had a headache. <clears throat> I thought it was the pollen, but now I don't think it was the pollen. I think it was actually the pillows. And honey, I think sometime this week we ought to go shopping for pillows. I thought I saw Macy had some on sale. We should follow that up. But then I couldn't go back to sleep because I was worried about a meeting I had today at 10 o'clock. By the way, Bill was at that meeting. And honey, you need to talk to Diana's wife. Because Bill wore, seriously, honey, the ugliest tie I've ever seen in my life today. And I know Diana does not know he gets out of the house with that tie. And it's actually going to hurt his career. And I think you should talk to her. I appreciate you doing that. But Bill said, tell you hello. By the way, Sally was there. Remember Sally? You met her at the Christmas party. She said, tell you hello. And to this day, the best chocolate chip cookie she's ever had in your life. Honey, they're the ones that you baked, right? And you know, even though I was worried about the meeting, when the meeting was over, I had a pretty good key, pretty good feeling about how it went down. And you won't realize it, but you just made some serious brownie points, men, because you used the word feeling. And I don't get it, but women love that word. In fact, I'm, uh, women get turned on when you use the word feeling. And I'll tell you why. Men get in touch with their emotions through sex. We'll talk about that on Father's Day. But understand, women get in touch with sex. They get in the mood for sex, for intimacy, through their emotions. So men, men even if you have to make things up, See, make sure you use the word feeling. See. By the way, ladies, let me just say this. When we come in or so, we're talking and you say, how do you feel about that? And we say, I don't know. We're not lying. We really don't know. See, that's just not the way we think. As men, that's just not the way we're wired. And I think it's because men come from the factory emotionally unassembled. In other words, we've got the wires, we've got everything we need, but they're not connected. And, and ladies, you got to understand, it's your job, this is part of the way you complete us, it's your job to help us connect the wires so that we can get in touch with one another. And see, man, that explains why you can be driving somewhere and the kids are back, you know, with their headphones on, playing a video game or listening to music, and you're just thinking about your fantasy football league that's coming up. And out of the blue, out of the blue, your wife will ask you a question like, honey, I was curious, did you play baseball as a kid? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. She doesn't care whether you ever play baseball or not. Okay, understand, she's working you. She's setting you up. <laughs> Honey, did you play baseball as a kid? Yeah. Huh. Did your dad attend the games? No, I don't, I don't remember him being at the games. Wow. I wonder why. Why didn't he attend the games? I don't know. I remember he was busy. I, I, I guess he, he worked a lot. And men, see, it seems pretty innocent, right? You're just driving. Seems pretty innocent. Seems pretty harmless. But what your wife is doing, she's taking the wires of your emotions and she's getting them closer and closer together. So your dad didn't attend? Uh-uh. Did the other dads attend? Yeah. How'd that make you feel? 
I guess a little sad. And all of a sudden, there's like a shock. And you're like, what was that? Well, honey, that was a feeling, right? And before you know it, you're crying at this is us. I mean, see, they got the wires kicked. But, but you got to understand, ladies, this is your job. This is how you complete us. You teach us how to communicate so that as men, we can get in touch with our emotions. And as we can get in touch with our emotions, see, our relationship with you can deepen. Now, I'll say more about this when I address the top needs of men on Father's Day. But understand, a man has an affair because a woman honors him and gives him sex. A woman has an affair because a man listens and connects with her. See, this is what she thinks. My husband doesn't understand me. My husband keeps telling me that I shouldn't feel this way, but now I finally found a real man and he listens to me and he understands me and he knows how I feel. By the way, let me just tell you this, ladies, in passing. Men will pretend to listen to you to have an opportunity to have sex with you. I'm telling you, men are players, they really are the shallow. But don't be fooled by that. But women need communication. It's their number four need. And men, this is an area where we need to be willing to lay down our life. The number three need of women, leadership. Just so you know, the number one complaint from Christian women in marriage counseling is that their husband will not lead. By the way, let me just say this. When we talk about leadership, we're not talking about domination. Nobody wants to be dominated, whether you're male or female. Nobody wants to be dominated. In fact, the most destructive homes in our culture are, are homes where there's a dominant parent. It may not be a male. It may be a female. It may be a mom on Mother's Day, but you may be that dominant parent. But I got to tell you, domination is never right. In fact, let me give you a word for leadership, not domination, but initiation. At the end of the day, that's all leadership is. It's taking the initiative. And men, we're supposed to lead our wives the way that Christ led the church. But can you imagine if you went to God for advice, if you went to God for some kind of direction, and he led you the way you lead your wife? I mean, can you imagine if you went to God and he was dominating, he put you down, he criticized you? I mean, deep down inside, would you really want a leader like that? Or what if God was an absent leader? What if you went to God with a question and his response was, I don't know. God, should I take this new job that's been offered to me? I don't know. God, give me some advice. What do I do with this child, this situation I have with my child? I don't know. See, that's not God. God gives us leadership, and that's what our wives need from us. That's how God wired them. They need us to take the initiative. So what are some areas where a woman has been wired by God to be led? She wants to be led. She wants her husband to take the initiative. First of all, she wants you to take the lead in spiritual matters. I can't tell you how many times I've heard women say to me, if I didn't take the initiative to go to church, we'd never go to church. I've had a lady tell me one time, she says, my husband knows we have small group every Tuesday night and it's as if he gets an amnesia. He will never bring it up. He'll pretend it's not Tuesday. He'll pretend it. And finally about 6.30, I'll say, honey, are we going to go to small group? But if I didn't take the initiative, we would never go to small group. I've had women say, we would love to get involved financially, what God is doing through hope around the world, but my husband doesn't want to get involved. Or I would love to serve. I'd love to get involved in Kid City or First Impressions. I would love to get involved in some level of leadership at hope. But every time I bring it up to my husband and talk about me serving, he gets angry at me. He says, I'm just taking time away from him. Man, I got to tell you, that's not leadership. That's not initiation. Another area where a woman wants leadership is with the kids. She wants your involvement in their education, their activities, their discipline. In fact, man, let me give you a secret. You set the example in the home for how your kids are going to treat mom. If you're rude to mom, snotty to mom, sharp to mom, sarcastic with mom, you know what it tells the kids? We could do that too. 
And this is especially true when it comes to divorces. And I know that divorce is difficult. And I understand that there's a lot of pain and disappointment. There's a lot of anger and hostility at times. But men, I don't care. You are still the pace setter. And you need to instill in your kids a proper respect for their mom. Another area where she wants you to take the lead and the initiative is in this area of romance. She doesn't want to have to remind you every year that her birthday's coming up next week or that your anniversary's just around the corner or that Valentine's is next week. And man, I know this is going to hurt some of you, but some of you are just stupid. I mean, I'm just telling you because I know you and I hang out with you. And you'll say, oh, my, my wife's birthday tomorrow. What are you doing for her? Nothing. Well, what are you going to get her? She doesn't want anything. She doesn't need anything, seriously. Really, how's that working out for you, right? I mean, how's that working out? Some of you didn't get a, father's, a Mother's Day gift for your wife. You know why? She ain't my mother. Dumb. Just dumb. Get her something. It's not too late. That's just stupid. Don't go there. I made this mistake one time. One time, a few years ago, Laura and I, we were going on a little vacation with three other couples from the church, and we were going on a cruise, and it, and it went over Valentine's. So we're packing. I'm like, you know, getting ready for the cruise, and I said, now, honey, Valentine's is, is on Tuesday. It, are we celebrating? I mean, is that, is that our val- Oh, she said, honey, we're going on a cruise. That's enough. I said, so you're telling me we're not getting each other anything for Valentine? Nope, not getting each other anything. Good, I'm good with that. So we get on the cruise. Tuesday rolls around. She opens up her suitcase. Here comes the card. Here comes one gift. Here comes two gifts. Here comes three gifts. I'm standing there with my face hanging out. We're in the entire cruise. I will never fall for that again. You guys don't learn. You guys don't learn. You're going to show up on Mother's Day. You got absolutely nothing to give her. So you're going to keep falling. The- but see, this is an area where they want you to lead. They want you to take the initiative. I'll give you a little example. I just finished a book, and, and uh, although I wrote the content, I learned in a book, that's kind of the easy part. Laura literally did, I would say, 80% of the work because you got to get it edited, and you got to go through all these things, and you got to check facts, and she had to find references and take care of that for me, and she had to find a publisher, and she did all the artwork designing for the book cover, and, and just everything that's going on behind the scenes, signing contracts, all of those kinds of things. Laura took care of all of that, and, and although my name's on the book, I felt kind of bad, actually, because I felt like she did you know, maybe most of the work, right? And so I thought, I want to do something for her. So, you know, our anniversary is December 23rd, and we never get to celebrate it because we're heavy into Christmas Eve services by, by December 23rd. So we try to early in December get away, and we usually just love to go to New York for a couple of days. We save a little bit of our Christmas shopping. We go up. It's beautiful. And uh, we've got some jewelers up there we've met over the years, and our kids have bought their wives rings and things like that. And so we always go by, if nothing else, to say hi, get our rings cleaned or something like that. And Laura saw this beautiful pair of diamond earrings. But you know what? We had kind of decided last Christmas we weren't going to really buy anything for each other. We were going to cut back and do something different with our money at Christmas. And so, you know, it really wasn't right, but I took a picture of them when she wasn't looking, right? So I had it on my phone. And so a few weeks ago, I called Stephanie. Uh, she's up at the jeweler. And I sent her a picture. I said, do you still have those? And she said, we still have them. And I said, I want to buy them. She said, okay. I said, here's my problem. I can't do anything without Laura knowing about it. I said, if I spend anything on my bank card or the American Express, those are the only two cards we have. I said, she gets a text or something right away. Like, you just spent $2.19. Where were you? What were you doing at Handy Hugo? Right. And so, so, like, you know, so I'm like, I don't know how to surprise her. And she said, she said hey, listen, I'll send you the earrings. And after you give, her, give them, you can, you can call me and just give me the credit card over the phone. I'm like, eh, I'm not comfortable with that. I said, just, just hang in there. So I had some weddings. I had some speaking engagements. And when I got paid, I hid the money. I felt so nasty, but I did it, and it kind of felt good. kind of felt good. But I hid it, and I didn't tell. Like, like I came home one night, and Laura said, did they pay you for speaking? I said, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. Hey, look, what's on TV? The NBA's on. But anyway, uh, 
So I got enough money and I, and I called her. I said, I'm going to the bank right now. I'm getting a cashier's check. I'm going to overnight it to you. When you get it, if you'll just send them to me right away. And I got them, you know, and, and Laura came home and I was sitting in my office at home and I was working on a message. And I said, honey, I need you to come here. I need to talk to you about something. And I was real solid. And then I gave them to her. And it worked. She cried. See, that's the best. When they cry, that's the best. That's the best. And I got to tell you, whenever I do something like that, I'm just going to be honest with you, it always leads to a good night in the Lee house. I think you know what I'm saying, right? But see, that's what women want you to do. And I know what some of you, I know what some of you are thinking. This is what you're thinking. We can't afford romance. Mike, I'm glad we pay you enough that you can take trips and dates and buy gifts for your wife. Let me ask you a question. What are you spending your money on? Do you have enough money to play golf all the time and buy those Expensive golf clubs? Do you have enough money to buy that great fishing equipment so you can go fishing whenever you want to go? Or the, all those firearms so you can go hunting whenever you want to go? Or, you know, go out and have a few boy, beers with the boys every time you want to do that? Let me ask you this one. How much are you spending on your kids? I mean, you, you parents, you young parents, you got them in hockey and golf and dancing and gymnastics and cheerleading. We, we have a triathlon in my neighborhood for five and six years old. Is, is that the most ridiculous thing? So I... I got my son in a chess club. If you get him in a chess club, get him in a fight club because they're going to get beat up a lot. They're going to need that. So anyway, all kind of advice this weekend. But let me tell you something. You can't afford not to be romantic, man. You can't afford not to take the initiative. I'm going to tell you something. It's the best gift you can give your children. You want secure children? Romance their mom. I've talked to children of divorce. And sometimes when they're a little older and they can understand, this is what they'll say. Yeah, we had a nice life. We had a nice childhood. It's, it's great that we got to do all those things that we wanted to do and our parents invested that money. But looking back now, we wish they'd have invested a little bit less in us and maybe a little bit more time in themselves and maybe we would still be together as a family. I'm gonna tell you something. And I'm not bragging, this is just a fact. My kids have never had this thought. I wonder if dad loves mom. I guarantee you they've never had that thought. They've never had this thought. I wonder if dad would ever leave mom. I promise you it's never crossed their mind. Men, it's our responsibility to take the lead and to set the pace in this area. Listen, what you did to get her is what you do to keep her. Do you remember when you were pursuing her, the notes, the flowers, the gifts, the surprises? What you did to get her is what you do to keep her. This leads to the number two need for women's security. They need to know that you're going to take care of them. She needs to know that you're going to be there when she wakes up in the morning. She needs to know that you're willing to lay down your life for her. She needs to know that you're willing to do whatever it takes to take care of her because, see, a woman needs security. And I told you, when we moved here from California to start the church, we, we had a beautiful house in California with a pool, and the kids went to private school, and we went to Hawaii on vacation, and, and we, they, they took very good care of us at that church. So we came here and started all over again. Two-bedroom apartment. Kids went to public school for the first time. Laura had to find an entry-level job in RTP so we could have health care insurance. And I still had, I'm still trying to start a church, but I got to make some money. I worked at Food Lion. I had a little pickup truck. So I, I found a job where I could, I could pick up signs on Thursday and go put them out at all the intersections where the, a builder was having open houses, different homes and stuff. You, you've seen those intersections with 50 signs out there. And then it was my job to go pick them up on Monday. I would do that. I had a friend that I led to Christ after a crack cocaine overdose. He became a part of Hope. He had a cement business. I spent time wheeling around, wheelbarrowing cement, you know. I had a friend that moved here with me from California. He had a construction business. I worked with him in framed houses. I worked for a period of time for associated scaffolding, you know, building scaffolding around buildings. My, my point is simply this. A woman simply needs to know 
that you're going to do everything you can and possibly need to do to make sure there's shelter and to make sure there's food on the table for her and the kids. I'm just telling you. Now, let me just take the pressure off of you. You don't have to be a provider. The Bible clearly teaches us that God is the provider. But this is what you got to be. You got to be a hard worker. You got to be a hard worker. So a woman needs financial security. They also need emotional security. By the way, this is the emotional security that Jesus provides for every one of us. Hebrews 13, 5, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Jesus says, don't worry. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. This is the emotional security that every man needs to provide for his wife. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will always be here. I love you, and I will lay down my life for you. I'm telling you, it's called emotional security. By the way, do you know why we love Jesus? It's not because he sits in a recliner in heaven and barks out orders. We love him because he left heaven. And he came to this earth and he laid his life down for us. And don't forget, man, Ephesians 5.25, that's our role model. That's our role model. So what's the number one need? Sex. I'm kidding. But a man can dream. Actually, sex comes in 18 right after root canal. Right after root canal, number 17 for women. But number one, understanding. Understanding. Let me share a verse with you. 1 Peter 3, 7. You're not going to like this verse, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. And you need, to, you need to check out the context. But your husband's in the same way. And anytime you see in the same way, you refer back. But there's a context there about a, about a sacrificial type life. And even when you're not treated the right way. But just you can check. But this is what it says. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman. Now, Laura and I were driving last night. We had our 17-year-old grandson in the back seat. I picked him, picked him up from work. He was staying with us. And I, I was telling Laura about this. And she, I don't like that. I don't like that. In fact, my 17-year-old my grandson said, yeah, it's 2018. That ain't going to fly. That ain't going to fly, right? And you don't like that because, see, you don't want to be considered weak. It doesn't say women are weak. It doesn't say that. It says women are weaker. Literally, it means you're more delicate. You're more sensitive. In other words, ladies, if you were to go home this weekend and arm wrestle your husband, he's probably going to beat you. Now, let me just say this. If he doesn't, please don't put that on social media. Don't get on there. Don't, oh, yeah, you know, with him crying in the background. Don't do that, right? Just keep it to yourself. But let me explain what Peter is saying here. Let me kind of give you an example. You know, most of us, in fact, I would, I would dare say all of us have a thermometer in our homes. And a thermometer is a very sensitive, it's a very delicate instrument. But you know what? It's also very valuable. Because when you're not feeling well, what do you do? You take your temperature. And if you're running a fever, there's a couple of things. One, it could be a virus, which may be passing. But you may find out that it's an infection. And if it's a serious infection, a thermometer can save your life. I'll never forget when I had my knees replaced and, and the left one wasn't doing right. It wasn't looking right. It wasn't feeling right. And... Uh, my doctor says, if your temperature, I don't know why he picked this. He said, if your temperature ever hits 102.7, we got a problem. And I'll never forget one night I was laying in bed. I felt horrible. I took my temperature. It was 102.8. Like NASA, we got a problem. You know, Houston, we got a problem, right? And I'll never forget, went in, sure enough, in fact, it had taken out, new one put in, 42 straight days of IV antibiotics with the port going into your heart, another three weeks or four weeks of oral antibiotics, not even knowing if that was going to attack the infection. It was a very, 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 very serious issue. So a thermometer, when you think about it, it can actually save your life. But as valuable as it is, you don't want to try to pry open a window with a thermometer. That's not what you use a thermometer for. That's why you have crowbars, right? So think about it this way. The thing that makes a thermometer great, the thing that makes it so valuable, the thing that makes it so sensitive 
is also the thing that makes it a terrible tool for prying open a window. Now, in the very same way, understand, God has finely tuned women toward the sensitive, toward the more feeling side of life. And because God designed you that way, it makes you weaker than men in some ways. But it's also what makes you so great at sensing things that men just aren't able to sense. Sometimes you refer to it as women's intuition. You just know things. You just pick up on it. See, it's why you know that your husband offends someone the minute he offends them, and your husband has no clue whatsoever. I mean, this happened to me one time. Like Laura said, you really offended him. He's my best friend. We kid each other all the time. About four days later, this friend of mine said, hey, let's grab a cup of coffee. Had our cup of coffee. Got home. What did you say? What did he say? How, you know, I went through the whole thing, right? He was really mad at me. She said, I told you, right? See, you, you guys picked that stuff up. So understand, the very thing that God has designed into women that makes you so valuable it's also the thing that sets you up for certain weaknesses, and that weakness is this. In general, in general, speaking in generalities, in general, women don't bounce back from hurt as fast as men. Men get knocked down, we get back up, we go on. You punch us in the nose, say you're sorry, we shake hands and go on. But in comparison, when a woman is hurt, in, compar in general, generally she's hurt at a deeper level than a man. And she's not going to bounce right back. See, men, this explains why we can hurt our wives, really, really hurt them, and we know we've hurt them. So we go back and we say we're sorry, and we ask for forgiveness, and our wife says, I forgive you, and then we immediately follow up, want to have sex? And she's like, no, don't even come near me. And well, what, what are you talking about? You, I said I was sorry, you said you forgive me. What's going on? See, it's because we can just pick up where we left off. We can just go on as if nothing ever happened. But the way God designed women, it makes them more delicate. It makes them more sensitive. Not in a bad way, but you've got to understand in a very, very positive way. So living with our wives in an understanding way means that as men, as husbands, we take that into account. It means we don't expect them to see things the way we see things. We don't expect them to respond to situations the way we respond to situations. And, and it's because we're different. We're different. God made us that way. As I said, thermometers, they're great, but you don't want to pry open a, uh, a window with one. And, and crowbars are great. You don't want to take your temperature with one, right? I mean, we're different. But man, even though we're different, think about this. God put it on us to take the lead when it comes to understanding our wives. And by the way, you can read it from Genesis to Revelation. God never asked women to understand men. Do you know why? They're already naturally good at it. They just naturally do it. But he does tell us men that we're to take the lead, we're to take the initiative in understanding our wives. So let me just give you a way in closing that will help you do that. We need to pray every day, God help me see life through my wife's eyes. Not God help me change her, or God help me fix her, that's not our job. God help me see things from her perspective so that I can understand her so I can see where she's coming from. And I'm telling you, if you will love your wife the way that Jesus loved the church, and if you will take the initiative and if you will seek to understand her, she will honor you and love you in return. And that's important because men, as you're gonna see in a few weeks, and I'll go ahead and give you a spoiler alert, honor is your biggest need. It's your number one need. But it won't happen by you sitting in a recliner and you know, scratching yourself and barking orders. It's gonna require you to get out of the recliner off the golf course, off the computer, off the phone, turn off the TV, and begin to understand her 
So she realizes you are willing to lay down your life for her. Now, December 23rd, if we make it, it'll be 40 years. So this is 40 years of experience talking. And I'll tell you this. Happy wife, happy life. That's not just a saying. I'm telling you, man, listen. I live a life you dream of. I'm telling you. You dream of. You wish you had my life. So you ought to take my advice. <laughs> Let's pray. God, you're an awesome God. You're an awesome, awesome God. And you've given us this information, and we're different. We live in a culture that wants to tell us we're not, and that's a bunch of baloney. You created us this, this way. All the marches and protests and movements in the world is not going to change what you've created. So it helps us to understand each other. And by understanding each other, we know how to love each other. We know how to meet the needs of one another. And I pray that this will just ring. I, I guarantee there's some marriages right now that they're, they're teetering on the brink of disaster. And Father, these are certain little things that we could do right now that would immediately begin to change. Father, you know I'm already planning in this fall we're gonna do, we're gonna do a series about words that can bring life and death and some of the words that can absolutely change our lives. But one phrase that can change our lives is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I wonder how many just couples used to go home this weekend and just say, let's not rehash it. It's no use to go through it again. I'm sorry. And if it helps, Father, maybe what Laura and I did at 25 years, we, we wrote a card of everything that we had offended the other, or we'd been offended by each other and, and, and the things we kept bringing up in our marriage and we exchanged them and we prayed and we committed that we would never bring them up again. We drew the line in the sand and said, from here on out, fresh start. And we burned them. And we've never brought it up again. And I pray it would be that kind of weekend for couples here. A fresh start. A new beginning. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health. Till death us do part. And we're going to give you the glory for the miracles you're going to do in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.